0: Here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we continue to believe that since the Bible is the Word of God and that everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God, let us say it together. The Bible is God's Word for us. Thank you. Thank you. Today we don't have the Children's Church. I have a something here I want to read for you. It's not my resignation letter. It's something different. (laughs) John was sentenced to death in 1975 for the murder of his neighbor James, an ice cream vendor in a southern state. John was 17 when he was convicted. He was found guilty primarily because of the testimony of a fifth grade boy who said he saw John and another young male violently attack the ice cream vendor on a city street corner. Not a shred of forensic or physical evidence connected John to the incident. He had no prior criminal record. Even though another witness testified that John was not present when the ice cream vendor was killed, a few months after his arrest, John was condemned to die. It will be publicly revealed that nine years later that the boy who testified against him had immediately tried to recount his statement. But the area homicide detectives told the boy they would arrest and charge his parents with perjury if he changed his story. John was released on parole in 2003 after 27 years in prison. Still the state would not declare him innocent of the murder for nearly another 12 years when the boy's false statement and police misconduct were revealed in a related court hearing. John and others share a similar soul-crushing pain of false accusations. And this brings us to our text today, Acts chapter 25, where Apostle Paul is facing imprisonment and the fear of his own death because of false accusations. Because A group of people who are against his message, the gospel, have slandered him and want to see him dead so that he can no longer continue to share the gospel. Just think of what Paul has gone through. He came to Jerusalem to bring offerings to the needy Christians in Judea. Then the elders encouraged him to undergo a purification process to appease the Jews, something that he didn't need to do, but he submitted to. Then he was arrested at the temple and almost killed, bleeding in tears, He addressed the crowd, telling them that he is innocent. He was brought before the Sanhedrin, the high court of the Jewish system, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. They failed. All their testimonies, all their accusations failed. Then he was taken before the governor, Felix, a Roman governor, And he still found him innocent. But when he left, Felix left Paul in prison because he wanted to appease the Jews. And now he's about to face a new governor called Festus, who also is facing the pressure of appeasing the Jews, but who also knows that Paul is innocent. And Paul is going through all this because some of his brothers in Christ chose to slander him. It's not that the Jews that did not believe in Jesus who were slandering Paul, it's also the Jews that believed who were slandering Paul. The people that are supposed to protect him. And worse still, the elders who suggested that he undergoes a purification uh, process are not there to defend him. No one is standing to say, no, this man is innocent. All his brothers and sisters in Christ have deserted him. Paul is probably asking, what did I do? ...to deserve this. And there are many Christians... ...that have been slandered... ...by their own brothers and sisters in Christ. That have been falsely accused. And found themselves asking... What did they do to deserve this? And maybe some of us here have experienced the same. You have been slandered by your own brothers and sisters in Christ. The people that should protect you. The people that should be praying for you. The people that should be there around you to lift you up, to encourage you, to remind you of the faith that we have in Christ. Have been the same people that turn against you to talk against you. When the Jews asked Festus to allow Paul to return to Jerusalem, Festus was willing to do that. And he asked Paul if Paul would be willing to to go to Jerusalem, knowing very well that the Jews' plan was to kill him on the way, and Paul refused. And instead he appealed, to Caesar, Because he's a Roman citizen. And so after spending several days with the Jews, Festus went back to Caesarea. And the next day he convened a court and brought Paul to defend himself before his accusers. If you look at verse 7 of chapter 25, When Paul came in, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him. They brought many serious charges against him, but they could not prove them. Then Paul made his defense. And he says, I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law, or against the temple, or against Caesar. Everyone here knows that Paul is innocent. And we are told in verse 9, Festus wishing to do the Jews a favor said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges?" And I think Paul's feelings are captured in verse 10 and verse 11. He says, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. He looks at them and he says, this has nothing to do with my fear of death. It has nothing to do with me refusing to take accountability. But there is nothing wrong that I have done. You want to kill me for nothing. The weight of the pain of false accusations is embodied by Paul's words here. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, No one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. He knows that he will not get justice from the Jews or even from Festus. And therefore Festus has to submit to Paul's request, even though he knows that Paul is innocent. This is another way the Lord protects his servant because God had promised Paul. The Lord, when he appeared to Paul, he told Paul that you will testify of me in Rome. And therefore, he continues to protect him, to take him to Rome so that he can testify of him there also. The experiences that we face may not be as extreme as Paul's experiences. The accusations that we may face, the slanders that you and I may face, may not be as extreme as what Paul faces here. But every slander is destructive. Every false accusation crushes the spirit. It brings discouragement and disappointment. Just think of the many Christians who are afraid to be part of any church because they were slandered by fellow Christians. Think of the pastors and church leaders, whom some of them are now selling ice cream because they were slandered. by their fellow Christians. And they are no longer serving the Lord. They are no longer part of any church because they are afraid of experiencing the same thing. Now, if one of you has experienced this, you know how painful it is. You know how painful it is when your own brother, the person that you share with your challenges, the person that you expect they would be praying for you, the person that you expect they want you are best, they want you to grow in your faith, becomes the person that whispers behind your back, And we do this all the time. We slander others. And you know how we do it? You hear a rumor. You haven't proved it. You haven't investigated to know whether it's true or false. But you pass it to the other person. Some of us do it in a very spiritual way. Father, we are in a prayer meeting, and you hear someone praying, Oh Lord, I pray for Pastor Valerian. Lord, I know he's been beating his wife. And I know, Lord, I've been telling her to report him, but she loves him too much to report him. But I know he still beats him because the other day she had a black eye. And therefore, Father, I just pray that this remains a secret between me and her. But that you may strengthen her to report him, Lord. And just as I promise that I will not tell anyone else, I'm just telling you, Father, because I know you want to know this. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you are in a prayer meeting. And as you pray, the others are opening their eyes Asking, you know, people talk with their eyes, right? (laughs) Because deep in us, sin is looking for every opportunity to come out every opportunity to bear fruits. That's why when I hear someone making accusations, I will ask a lot of questions, and if I'm not satisfied, it will end there. Because I know that one of the things the enemy wants to do is to destroy. And the best way he can do it is bringing in false accusations, slandering people because slander goes just, it's so silent. It goes, it eats us from within. You laugh with people and yet they're the ones talking about you. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 15, He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. In Galatians 5, verse 15. And there are many shattered lives of believers who are disheartened, disappointed, Discouraged by other believers. It is painful, very painful, when we slander each other. But why do we do this? Why do we slander others? Why are these Jews accusing Paul falsely? I'll give you three reasons we slander others, even though there may be many. One of the reasons we slander others is because we are unwilling to change. We want to remain the way we are. And when we are confronted with the truth, and we don't want to submit to that truth, the best thing we can do is slander that person so that we can have a reason not to listen to what they say. We slander others when we are unwilling to change. Just think about this. You may have done it several times, where someone tells you something that you know is true, and it pains you, but because you don't want to change, you start talking about them in a bad way. You look for something in them that you know could be wrong, you look for a weakness, and then you start broadcasting it. And you will say, this pastor said this, but the only reason I can't agree with him is because I know that he does one, two, three. You are countering the truth with a slander because you are not willing to change. We do that to protect ourselves. We do that to remain who we are. We do that to avoid growth. Another reason we slander others is when we are angry, when we are hurt, we are paining. Sometimes when you hear people speak against others, ask yourself, is this the person speaking or is it the pain that is speaking? Because naturally when we are hurt, we want to hurt others. and the enemy comes in and will give you so many ideas on how to destroy that person. And you'll find yourself saying, I also know this about him, but I'm not going to tell anyone. There is a pastor that... uh, annoyed me, sometimes back. And uh, I slandered him to my wife. Told my wife about every bad thing I knew about him. I wanted my wife to hate him. And then a few months later, we reconciled with that pastor. And now, my wife was hating him. But now I'm trying to help my wife not to hate him. And I couldn't. I could not. Because there is no way I could have told my wife that everything I told you about him was not true. Because it was true but I told her because I wanted to destroy him. And I created an image in my wife that was so negative that it became so hard to get that image from out of her, even though that pastor had done nothing to her. Of course, later on, I had to to bring it the way I am right now. But how many times have we done that? Because when we are angry, when we've been annoyed, we want everyone else to be annoyed with us. It's so hard to be angry alone. Have you realized that? We slander others when we are unwilling to change. This is why the Jews are slandering Paul. They are unwilling to change. And because they are angry, they want to kill him. But we also slander others to numb our weaknesses. Do you know it feels so good when you're talking about someone else's weaknesses? It feels so good. When you're talking about the other person's sin, it feels so good. It's interesting. Am I the only one who... Am I the only one who has experienced this? Who has enjoyed talking about other people's weaknesses? Am I the only one that has sat down and listened to a slander? That has listened to something that I did not prove whether it was true and passed it to the own person, helped the slander go on? Am I the only one whom, instead of using that opportunity to encourage, to pray for that person, I used it to destroy? We slander others to numb our own weaknesses, because when I spend time magnifying your weakness, your sin, I become blind to my own. And it also makes me feel righteous. It makes me feel better. That's why churches are filled with hypocrites, People that appear to be so good because they have private lives that you know nothing about, but they'll be the first to point fingers at others when they fail. One of the reasons some of us are afraid being open is because we don't want people to know our weaknesses. And it could be because We don't trust them. It could be because we've been slandered before and we don't want to go through it again. And therefore you have churches full of people, but there is no fellowship. Because we cannot have a genuine fellowship if we cannot be open to one another. But because Christians are famous for shooting the wounded, we come together and we hold on to what we are going through. That's why Christians will continue to struggle with sins, and even addictions, and they will be unwilling to share their struggles because they know once they do that, someone will be talking about it. We slander others because we are unwilling to change. We slander others when we are angry when we are annoyed, when we are hurt, and we slander others to numb our own weaknesses. And maybe, instead of asking, what have I done to deserve this? Maybe we should ask, what has he done to deserve this? What has she done to deserve mistreatment, to deserve slander? Instead of just thinking about ourselves and the pain we may have experienced, let us think about others. And ask ourselves, what have they done to deserve my slander? What have they done to deserve my mistreatment as a brother, as a sister in Christ? Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. In other words, as believers, we should communicate to build, not to destroy. Now, you will be tempted to communicate to destroy. This happens even between spouses. You get angry and you turn to the other, you look at him, and you're like, I don't even know why I got married to you. You get angry, you turn to the other person, and you look at her, and you're like, who told me to marry you? What was I thinking? Of course, the next day, you things will go on well. You will forget about all that. But let me tell you, there are things that you can say to someone, and even though they will behave as if everything is okay, they will never forget what you said. they will never forget what you said. And that's why it's important for us to be careful and choose to build rather than to destroy. You know, when you are angry, you can say so many things, and many of us have said things that we wish we had not said. Because anger generates in you some energy. When you are angry, you feel so strong. That energy needs to be used. Because anger, it's a, the emotions in us boil when we are angry. We want to get it out. You feel so strong. You can even destroy everything before you. That's why some people would Kick a cow or a cat or a dog. You will feel so strong when you are angry. Why not use that energy to do something constructive? Like do laundry or something. Get so angry and clean the house. Use that anger instead of destroying to at least do something constructive. Get so angry and cook dinner that day. (laughs) When someone comes and they see you doing stuff and they ask you, where are you preparing meals? I'm so angry. Get so angry, go to the other neighbor and mow their lawn. Use it to do something better. Let them ask, what's going on? I am so angry, I'm going to mourn "Your alone today. Because if you are not careful you will find yourself destroying the other person. And there are so many lives that have been shattered, spirits that have been destroyed because someone was so angry and they couldn't control themselves. And the enemy is rejoicing when he sees that happen. He rejoices when he sees a Christian out of control destroying other Christians. We are doing his work. Communicate to build, not to destroy. Ask the Lord, ask the Lord to help you. Never To slander anyone. And commit yourself not to slander. Be your brother's keeper. Be your sister's keeper. If you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. In fact, let let me just read it with you as we think of christmas and the birth of jesus christ in matthew chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 it says this is how the birth of jesus the messiah came out His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph is a good example here. He chooses not to broadcast his wife's pregnancy. He knows it's against the law. He is faithful to the law. He's a just man, but he chooses to divorce her quietly, not to subject her to public disgrace. Today we do the opposite. We want to publicize other people's weaknesses. We want to broadcast them. Some of us have the talents of broadcasting. We are talented broadcasters. We are very good reporters. We only use our talents in a wrong way. How about using that ability to report, how about using it to spread the good news? How about using that ability to encourage others, to communicate, to build, instead of to destroy? Because God expects each one of us to be each one of us's keepers be your brother's keeper choose not to slander anyone father i thank you this morning i bless your name and i glorify you as we look our brother Paul and we see how painful it is to be slandered by your own brothers. Help us Lord not to be part of that. Help us Father not to participate in destroying others. Help us Lord to Desire to build one another so that we can bring glory to you. Help us to be used as your children who are looking out for each other. Help us to be a family that glorifies you. A family that comes alongside one another. A family that is not ashamed to be identified with you. A family that seeks your kingdom and that seeks to... Build not to destroy. May the enemy never find a footstool among us. May you be glorified as we continue to stand in you. May you be glorified as we hold on to one another in this journey. May you be glorified as we proclaim your truth in love.